It is Locked on Jazz for the, oh my gosh, 3rd of January. It's 2022. The Jazz fall to the Warriors. You didn't have Draymond or Klay Thompson. How concerned should we be? The Warriors, are, the Jazz are 1-4 against the home court teams of the NBA playoffs. But a 41-point quarter should give us some hope, plus we get ready for the Pels. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, this is, I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked On Jazz. Your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thank you very much for making us your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all platforms. If you're watching on YouTube, you can push that button. It's right over here and subscribe. You can also hit that bell that tells you and notifies you whenever we go live or drop an episode. I appreciate it if you do that. Hope you're doing great. Happy 2022. Uh, Our opening listeners today are from Greece and from Saudi Arabia. Special thanks to Salt Salt City Swagger for the uh, championship belt back there. Uh, So I thought I'd uh, drop that up there and have it well done. We'll probably go to the locked on uh, at some point here as well. But uh, all right. So the Jazz lose with the Warriors. You know, To stay consistent, I didn't think it was a great litmus test when the night started. Like, I wasn't one of those who was like, oh, this is going to tell us whether the Jazz are better than the Warriors, the Warriors are better than the Jazz. But I will say, like, you you lose to the Warriors who don't have Draymond Green and Klay Thompson, and you're at home, doesn't feel great. Doesn't feel great. Now, rest advantage is a massive issue in this league right now. Teams with a rest advantage are winning 65% of their games and they actually win more on the road than they do at home. And for two teams to be pretty even, which I think the Jazz and the Warriors really are, and I think the Warriors are generally unflummoxed by being on the road, then you end up, so, and then you look at these things, then all of a sudden that rest advantage, I think, has a pretty big issue. Like, I think it has, a, it has an impact um, in that game. And if you look at the shooting numbers on this game, the shooting numbers were pretty dramatic. Uh, of of the difference between what the two team shots, who made open shots, all of those kind of things. It was, um, you know, the Jazz had a good third quarter, but the Warriors do some pretty fabulous shooting things in this game to win them this game. And it's, I think there is, it's worth addressing right out of the top and saying, and then we'll we'll move past it. That I do think that there's something, um, you know, I, I, I would say that there's something to the rest advantage um, aspect of this game, and I think there's something to just getting hot shooting. The Warriors uh, were 10 of 17 on long twos, which is a lot. Um, they were 1 of 13 on floater range, so that's not. They were 12 of 24 on above-the-break threes, which is 50%, when the league average on that is about 34, and they were 5 of eight on corner threes when the league averages 40%. So they shot it very well. We did the opposite. We shot it very poorly. 
Um, and they had the rest advantage, which plays into that. So I think that's a factor. With that said, my big takeaway is that the Golden State Warriors, without Draymond Green and without Klay Thompson, walked into Salt Lake City and beat the Jazz. And some of our guys didn't look very good. And so I think it's there's a concern level that should be amped up a little bit on, on the team as a whole and the individuals, some individuals, as we play some of these best teams. And I think when you look at right now, and then part two of that, my big takeaway would be as we sit here to kick off 2022 is, you know, let's not, let's not hide behind what's going on. We're one in four against teams that have home court advantage right now. So we haven't played Phoenix. We're 0-1 against Golden State. We're 0-1 against Memphis. We are 0-2 against 0-1 against Chicago, 0-2 against Miami, 1-0 against a Milwaukee team that had none of their players. And we have not played Brooklyn. Like, I almost would argue if I was trying to be a doomsdayer and a talk show host and trying to inflame, I would say we're 0-4. The next part of that is let's look at what we did in those games. Because I think that relates to this. And we'll dig in specifically to the Warrior game in a second because I think the 41-point quarter is really important. So against Memphis, or against Golden State, we had a terrible defensive game. Our defensive rating against Mem- against the Warriors was a 124. It was in the 12th percentile. They shot 64% effective field goal percentage. I think they were, you know, I think they were relatively, um, you know, as we just said, fortunate with their shooting in some of the things that they did. We walked down to the Memphis game, which was the last time we had played a team. We lost on that that final kind of buzzer beater. Again, a very poor defensive game. In the 17th percentile of all defense, our offense was a 119. Let's go find Miami. We lose 111 to 105. Again, a not very good defensive game. Uh, We're in the 34th percentile, and this time we didn't have a very good offensive game either. So in our three games so far that I've shown you, we're in the 34th percentile defensively against Miami. We're in the 17th percentile against Memphis, and we're in the 12th percentile against Golden State. The other two to look at are our two Chicago games. We lose 99-107 to Chicago. In that game, our offense doesn't show in the first one. In the second one, we're in the at Chicago. We're in the 15th percentile defensively. In the offense, uh, defensively, we are pretty good. 102.9, we're in the 73rd. And then our the last one would be, um, I think I've missed a, I missed a Miami game in there. Our second Miami game, we lose. Our offense is great. It's a 126.4, but our defense is a 129.7 in the sixth percentile. So, uh, and I'm not, for this, I'm not counting Milwaukee. So you can call me that, you can claim that I'm being, you know, Honestly, that Milwaukee team just that didn't have that wasn't a realistic Milwaukee team, right? Like let's let's be clear. Um, our defensive rating in the in the uh, I guess we're one in five, um, not one in four, one in five. Uh, our defensive rating in the games in against elite teams is a one twenty four in the 11th percentile, 121 in the 17th percentile, 114 in the 34th percentile, 102.9, very good, and a 129.7. That jumps out to me. That's 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 problematic to me. Not that we lost to the Warriors, but that 
Our defense right now is has not found an answer against good teams. Now, these aren't all actually great offensive teams, which is what's interesting about this. If you kind of walk us through how we're playing against the best offensive teams, I actually think we will pro- we would probably come out a little bit better. And so maybe it's just picking, but some of it's that if our offense isn't as good, our def- transition defense gets exploited. The best offensive teams in the NBA right now are us, Atlanta. We actually played pretty well. Charlotte, Chicago, who we actually played very well defensively against. Milwaukee, who we didn't really face. Phoenix, Golden State. So it's actually interesting. There's something to this that it's not just that they're the great offensive teams. It's just that they're good teams. And somehow they're either particularly well-prepared or our offense isn't quite as good in those games. And so then we get caught in transition more. I'm not entirely clear what it is because it's not just that they're good offensive teams. It's that they're good teams overall. But we have really struggled defensively in those ballgames. And that's, you know, loss to Golden State, loss to Memphis, two losses to Miami, and a loss to Chicago. In all but one of them, um, we end up having a hard time defending. And that's that jumps out to me. And last, if you look at the Warriors game, and we kind of break down what happened in the Warriors game, as we often do, um, by quarter, because I think it's a telling aspect. And now some of this is how bad we were with Rudy Gay at the center, and we've probably got to address whether or not that idea that was so much a part of it. The first quarter of the game, our defensive rating is a 107. Our offense is an 89. We just couldn't score. In the sec- And we didn't execute. The game plan was that they had to get in the middle of the attack. They were, str- they were big. They were long. They're physical. The Warriors are perfectly constructed. In the second quarter, our defensive rating was a 146. And our offensive rating was a 148. When Rudy Gay was on the floor, it was a 150. When Rudy Gobert was on the floor, it was a 141. It wasn't much better. In the third quarter, we get going. We have a defensive rating of an 85, an offensive rating of 164. We're brilliant. And then when the game's on the line in the fourth quarter, we have a 161 defensive rating. Horrific. And if you want to get even into it a little more deeply, with the game on the line in the final six minutes, we just didn't get any stops. You you run down the final six minutes of this game, they hit eight of their final 10 field goal attempts over the final 6.30. I can back it up a little bit. It, it gets worse if you take it to the final eight minutes of the game. The Warriors finished 10 of their final 12, five of six from three, five of six from the free throw line. They scored more than two. They turned it over once. If I'm doing my math right, they had about, they probably had 15 possessions and they scored 30 points. We did a pretty good job. We hit nine of 17, three of nine from three, scored 22 points, got outscored 30 of 22 in the final eight minutes of the game. Again, it stems back to where are we defensively? And that's, to me, what's most disconcerting. Let's talk about whether or not Rudy Gay can play the five and what other items might be going on that need to be looked at uh, for the Jazz as we head into 2022 uh, with a big five-game road trip uh, staring us. Today's show, Monday edition, is always brought to you by our friends over at Murdoch Chevy, located in Woods Cross, also located in Logan. The uh, group there, the Murdochs, have done wonderful work. They have 
as we've talked about before, they have decided to not charge more than MSRP on any cars, despite the car shortage, despite the fact that most people are doing that right now. They want no part of it. A great SUV lineup over at Murdoch Chevy, as well as the legendary truck lineup. So you know the Tahoe, you know the Suburban. Those are those are Chevy legends. Those are Utah County Assault vehicles. We've got them all out there, whatever you want to, however you want to look at it. Uh, they're, they're absolutely fantastic. So the next part that I don't know if it gets enough credit is the Equinox, the Blazer, uh, and what they've done there. And then a bunch of my friends have the Volt and absolutely love uh, what's gone on. And the trucks are the Silverado and the Colorado. 1500 off the 2022 Silverado right now. 0% off for six years on APR on the 2020 Blazer. That's all at Woods Cross and in Logan at Murdoch Chevy. If you'd like to, you're welcome to drop me a line at, and I'll set up a meeting with you at dlock09 at gmail.com. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar. Ruby Chocolate Built Puffs are available right now. They're crazy good. I was, I'll admit, I was stunned. Um, lemon dip cheesecake as well. Gingerbread available. My partner loves the caramel almond delight, and I'm a huge believer in the coconut brownie chunk. In fact, another order was just made because I was a little worried we we're running out. It's all at built.com. Built bars are amazing. They taste like candy bars. They are protein bars. They give you 130 calories, 2.5, just 2.5 fat grams, just four net sugars and four net carbs, yet still getting you 17 grams of protein. It's built bar. Promo code LOCKED15 gets you 15% off. If you've not tried the puffs, it's a crazy creation that actually is fabulous. And the coconut brownie chunk is my favorite. If you don't like coconut and you can do nuts, caramel almond delight's a good spot. Uh, the ginger, uh, the mint brownie also very, very good. And the gingerbread are on sale and available right now. That's all at built.com. Thanks very much for making Locked On Jazz the first listen of your day. We are free and available on all platforms and certainly appreciate it. Locked On Now is a really cool show that you can grab when you're done with this one. Nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from our local experts. Listen to Locked On Now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or watch it on the Locked On NBA YouTube channel. Also an NFL recap from the weekend um, that was. So um, uh, make sure you grab it, Locked On Now. Yorgis says, Joe's a 30% shooter going 0 for 6, and Igudala at 23% is 2 for 3. Here's the question I have on this. Some of these numbers, like, I, I agree, they shot well, we didn't. They're the number one team in the league at defending the above the break three. So that's length, athleticism coming at you. They also are the hardest team in the league to, just to defend at the rim. They're the best defense. How much did they cause it? Now, in theory, three-point shooting is supposed to be luck, and three-point shooting is not supposed to be dictated by the opponent. Um, but it makes me wonder. And then I look at someone like Joe, and I look at Joe, and he's three for nine against Chicago in our first game against a good team. He goes one for four against Miami in our next meeting there against a good team. He goes one for five against Miami in the next game. He goes one for three against Memphis. And then last night he goes one for seven. So now is that just that Joe isn't, is unfortunate and not making shots against the five good teams that we've home court advantage. I don't want to disparage other teams and say that they're not good, but that those that he, that he's not in those games, 
that Joe is just not making shots or the fact that he's seven of 28 shooting for the season against the, the best teams is that they're longer, more athletic. They close. He doesn't have the window to shoot. It takes him that our spacing is off. We don't execute. Well, I mean, it might be him. It might not be him. I'm just using him as an example right here. Like to me, I wonder if there's some, some element here where what's actually happening is that these teams were playing a really, really good, really, really good in most cases, not in ours, is longer and more athletic. That's what they are. If you watch the Warriors the other night, they, they're beautiful. They're, we're beautifully constructed and they're beautifully constructed. Like they're beautifully constructed. They have Steph Curry, who is the greatest offensive player in the world. And then they have a bunch of guys that are long and ferocious defensively. And they've turned Andrew Wiggins into one of those to their credit. That's one of the great trades of all time. But if you look at who the Warriors are and what they're sending out on the floor, so Otto Porter, 6'8", 200. He's come off some knee injuries, but I thought he moved pretty well. Bielitsa, 6'10", 230. He's not a great defensive player, but he's 6'10", 230. Kayvon Looney is a great defensive player. He's 6'8", 9", 220. Gary Payton II is 6'3", 190. Juan Toscana Anderson is undrafted, out of Oakland, Not went to Marquette, not playing anywhere, picked up by the Warriors at 26 years of age. He's 6'6", 210. Andrew Wiggins is 6'8", 200. Draymond Green is the longest 6'6", 230 ever. You know, Damon Lee didn't play with 6'5", 210. Jonathan Kamingo doesn't quite know what's going on right now because he's so young, is 6'8", 210. And Andre Gudal is 6'6", 220. I mean, they're, they just have length at every single one of these positions. And they were playing lineups that were Steph Curry and then a bunch of those size guys, a little similar to the Clippers, not quite as massive as the Clippers were when they were basically 6'8", 220 across the board against us. But they were into the ball. They were aggressive. They were aggressive at the point of the attack. You know, and they, they're pinning us to the corner and, you know it, and Mike Wells said to us at halftime, you've got to get into the middle of the floor. You've got to get into the middle of the floor and be able to play from there so then they don't know where their shifts are. And, like, if you go back and watch the game, like our first play of the game, we just get pinned on the sideline. Now in the third quarter, we're brilliant. The third quarter, like, refutes everything we're talking about. We're brilliant in the third quarter. We score 41 points. We swing it. We move it. We get it going. We make shots. And we played in the middle of the floor which was the key to the whole thing. Now, again, while definitely sounding an alarm or two today, let's remember, rest advantage, huge. No shoot around, no preparation for the Jazz. That's actually what the Jazz are. Like the Jazz are a shoot around preparation team. That's what they usually need to do that. And so that's why. Now, Rudy Gay as the center. It and it is not seeming to be working right now for a few different reasons. The premise on playing a smaller center and then being able to switch one through five is to some extent based on the fact that two things, you're, you're relatively big at your other positions. So like the, the we hear this all the time. You've heard this so much of me, you're, you're probably going to get sick, but they did not go small the Clippers did not go small against us. They went small at center, right? They, they went small at center. They were 6'8", 220, and 6'4", 200 at their other position. So when you go to a small five-man switching, like the Warriors can with Draymond Green or something like that, 
what you're really, really doing is you're playing a bunch of like-sized players that are interchangeable defensively, and you can switch it one through five. And then the key to the whole thing is you can guard your yard. We're not like-sized in any way, shape, or form, right? Like more often than not, when Rudy Gay's the most the lineups played the most center is Donovan Mitchell, 6'1", Jordan Clarkson, 6'4", I think, Royce O'Neal, 6'4", Boyan Bogdanovich, and Rudy Gay. Okay, we're not like-sized. We're undersized at three of the four positions, or maybe Jordan's fine, so maybe two of the five. And when we're switching, we're not, we're not defending well. The bigger issue is we can't score. We, when you play five out, you actually have limited space because there's five guys that are out and our Donovan's best in space, Jordan's best in space. We actually are having a miserable time scoring the basketball when Rudy Gay's at the center, as much as we are defending. We're not very good defending either. But frankly, Rudy Gobert's presence, setting picks, clearing people, getting advanced basketball, or spacing down to the rim is opening up things for us offensively that makes us the best offense in the NBA. And Rudy Gobert's not on the floor. We're having a hard, and Hassan Whiteside's not on the floor. We're having a hard time scoring with Rudy Gay at center. Our offense in games in which either Eric Paschal or Rudy Gay is at center, and I can make it be just Rudy Gay. And it's limited sample size. We're at like 100 possessions. I mean, this is really, really small. Um, We've played, I think, 100 possessions. Our offense is at 91.5 in the zero percentile. Now, Donovan wants to play in an open floor, five out, it would seem, but actually the data would show you the exact opposite. The data would show you that Donovan is the number one pick and roll player, number two pick and roll guard in the NBA. The number one pick and roll combination is Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, and the Jazz are much better when those two are together. Okay? kind of interesting. Um, So Rudy Gay at the center is, to me, actually right now, is an offensive issue as much as it is a defensive issue. It's not great defensively, but it's really an offensive issue. We don't have enough space for our guys to create, and no one's creating advantage basketball, and we're forced into a little bit more isolation basketball than we're used to, and we don't run a great deal out of it. Now, maybe we can learn it. It's 100 possessions. It's early, and we've talked about this all year. Everything's about game 70, so I'm not sure I throw the baby out with the bathwater right now, but I might throw the bathwater out. So, you know, just worth a thought. Uh, We did score 41 points in the third quarter. We did some really neat things. We'll talk about that and get ready for the Pelicans as we continue today on Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Again, Locked on Now. Check it out after the show today. It's terrific. It's a pretty neat little Uh, creation we've created for NBA fans or NFL fans uh, along the way. A lot of good chat going on in the live chat room of YouTube. If you watch the show on YouTube, you can also part. The chat shows up as it goes chronologically. And um, so pretty interesting um, to see there Um, and kind of get it. And we have good, smart fans um, along the way. I think it's important to understand here. One, we're still a title contender. We're still really good, even though we lost the wars, even though we're, you know, we're one and five against top four teams. Like that's disconcerting. Like, okay. So we got ways to go here. The second thing that I think is really important is 
the as much as we just talked about how beautifully the Warriors are constructed, the Jazz are equally as constructed as beautifully. And on the same premise, we have this great defensive player in Rudy Gobert, and we've now built this amazing offense around it. And now we have to go back to figure out how to defend. We're actually really having a hard time defending the best teams in the league right now. And so we got to figure that out. Let's go to the third quarter for a second because we were actually brilliant. Um, and and uh, the Warriors don't give up 41-point quarters very often. And so what did we do in that quarter that can be replicated? First is we got the – Mike Wells talked to us about this at halftime. We got the ball to the middle of the floor, which was just a huge, huge part of, of what we had to do to be successful. Because when you get the ball to the middle of the floor, then their overshifting defensively is not something – that they're able to, they, then they don't know what the strong side or weak side is and they can't over uh, stretch defensively. The other thing is we had an abnormally good shooting. We went six of 11 from three. We got 11 of our 25 shots off as threes. We also moved the basketball. We had seven assists. Donovan was masterful in moving it and spinning it around and distributing it um, in, in that period of time. And we also had great shot distribution. Like we were playing so unselfishly. Boyan had four shots. Royce, who has been slumping, hit three, went three, three for three. Rudy got two. Mike Conley had five. Donovan had four. Ingles had two. Rudy Gay had three. Jordan Clarkson had two. Their big, their big uh, front line caused our guards a lot of trouble, by the way, in this game, right? I mean, I'd have to look at what the matchups were of who guarded who, but it felt like Toscana Anderson guarded everyone all the time. But on Donovan Mitchell the other night, the Warriors were able to have Gary Payton and Andrew Wiggins guarding him the most of any two players. So Payton, who is, you know, an elite, elite defensive player out of Oregon State, Salt Lake Community College. He was a great, great defense player. Um, Donovan uh, went 0 for 2 when guarded by Payton and 1 for 6 when guarded by Wiggins. I mean, Andrew Wiggins is really, really big. And I don't remember what I just said a minute ago on Wiggins, but I think he's my guess is he's 6'8", 200. And on Mike Conley in that same matchup, they were he got guarded the most amount of times by Juan Toscana Anderson. I mean, that was clearly, he's 6'6", 210. That, that's clearly what they were trying to do. Now, we didn't have a terrible offensive game, but, but that is a part of this game was the fact that they put, and then Gary Payton's on him the second most amount of time. And Mike goes one of three when guarded by Mike. Actually, Mike only gets one shot off when guarded by Toscana Anderson. He goes 0 for 2 when guarded by Gary Payton. And then they just do a wonderful job of floating Steph around and keeping him off of main guys. Steph spent six minutes and 22 seconds guarding Royce O'Neal and two minutes guarding Mike Conley and 136 guarding Jordan Clarkson and Clarkson torched him. And he spent one minute and 12 seconds on Donovan Mitchell, and Donovan Mitchell went two for three with two threes. Shook him both times. So pretty interesting to see how these teams, you know, what what the Warriors did to the Jazz. That's the script that they have. is big, long, physical, into you, and it's hard. Um, XR says, it feels like Dennis Lindsay swung the roster pendulum all the way towards shooting, and our per- perimeter defense has really struggled. Well, I think that's true. I don't know if that was a pro- I don't know that's if that's a problem. Um, and our transition defense is basically Euro fouls. What happens when they take that away? I, I, that's a great question. 
But our, our problems, our transition defense is our guard line is so small that if Mike and Donovan are back, there's still just a lot of air for people to see to go. Right? That's, that's the problem on the transition defense. I didn't look at cleaning the glass after the game and see that the transition numbers were dramatic in that one, but I will certainly go check it right now. Um, transition numbers in the Jazz Warriors game, Warriors were 1.5 points per transition and 14% of the time. Not an outrageously high number, but it, they definitely, that's they got us. In the half court, though, their offense is really where they beat us. Their half court was a 112.5. We just, we couldn't get stops in the half court against them um, at the rate we needed to. And we, our half court offense wasn't very good. I, I, it's, it's, that's what we've got to figure out. Defensively, we've got to figure out. And when these teams have enough versatility to move guys around and, and what we're doing, how to, how to answer these best teams defensively. We got, you know, doesn't have to be tomorrow. I think we got to stay with, remember what the whole point of this is trying to figure things out by the playoffs. We're going to be a top three seed. There's no doubt on that. Um, and figure that out. Um, and I think that's, you know, so it's not a panic time um, along the way. Is Torian Prince available? He seems to be toiling away deep on a bench, maybe an easy pickup. It's an interesting name. Um, you know, I always have a hard time with defensive players. And, and here's, he seems like he should be a good defensive player, right? He's long, he's athletic. Um, he was a top 20 pick, which says that people liked him. I, I always get nervous unless till I've watched the players and you'll, you'll always hear this about me. It, it's actually my Ronnie Brewer rule. I, I actually never thought Ronnie Brewer was that good a defensive player, but he couldn't shoot. So therefore we decided that he was a good defensive player. I feel like a lot of times you get a player who's, who's long and athletic and if they don't shoot well, then we decide, well, they must be a really good defensive player. <clears throat> and I don't know that it's always true. Um, Torian Prince uh, is in Minnesota this year and not playing much. Um, he's shooting 31% from three. Last year, he shot 42. He's all over the map. He's a career 37% three-point shooter. If your data and your background says that, you know, and he went to Baylor, so he definitely fits everything our, we ever would sign. Um is, you know, that he is actually a good defender. He fits 6'7", 220. It's a great name uh, to throw out there. All right, Pelicans tonight. Uh, I, th- I think I've covered what I was going to. Uh, Pelicans, let me look at my notes. Third quarter, shot making, Jazz versus good teams. I thought it was interesting that Quinn talked about Draymond as the MVP. I mean, indirectly what you're really doing is talking about Rudy as the MVP there. Um, but I thought that was really interesting and um, appropriate. I mean, that, these guys like Draymond and Rudy deserve to be talked about as MVPs, not just the guys that score the most. It's a, it's a, two-way, it's a two-way game. Uh, Ingram is questionable tonight. We'll see whether he goes or not. Uh, he's averaging 23 points a game. Valanchunas is questionable tonight. Expected to see him go um, tonight. He, um, he, go, he plays. Uh, he's averaging 19 points a game. Devontae Graham, who killed us on the game winner last time, is averaging 14, but they're not they're not good. They're the 27th ranked offense. They're the 24th ranked defense in the NBA. Um, they are, we should be able to take advantage of that in all sorts of uh, manners. They've gotten, after a miserable start, they showed some flashes of being better. And then, you know, somewhat as everybody else has been, they've got hit by COVID. And so um, they they kind of lost their vibe. They had, a, you know, they had it going for, a, they had it going for a tiny bit. Um, 
They lost their last one out 136-113 to Milwaukee. Um, but if you look at their season and the way it went, they started 1-12. and Then they kind of got it back together and got to 12-21. and So if you look at that, they were five, they've been 500 for a while, and then they tripped up against Oklahoma City in a game they probably shouldn't have lost. They lost to the Cavaliers and lost to the Bucs. Um, but so they, you know, since they started the year 1-12, and they're 12-11. and So we're playing a 500 team. Um, but they've still been kind of floating in and out of where they should be. Their loss to the Thunder, they certainly were shorthanded. Brandon Ingram played eight minutes, then turned his ankle and didn't play. And Valanchunas was out because of um, because of COVID. So, uh, you know, this is a game we should win. They're 29th in the league offensively in the half court. If we can keep them out of transition, uh, we should be good. They're the number one defensive rebounding team in the league. So it'll be interesting to see if we can get any offensive glass action uh, tonight. All right, that wraps us up. That is Locked on Jazz today. Thanks very much for tuning in. Great job in the chat room. Have a wonderful day. Now go listen to Locked on Now.